welcome to the Belper Beer Club podcast. We're four intrepid beer explorers from Derbyshire, and we thought it was about time we put out a podcast. And here it is. My name's John. I'm Sean. I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. This time round, we've got a packed episode, including a full-length interview with Matt from Zapato, a roundup of our trip to Thanet, and a review of Phantom Brewery of Reading. Here we go. Okay, so um, we're down in Kent. In fact, we're in Thanet, to be precise. For those of you who don't know where Thanet is, it's kind of the bottom right-hand corner of England. Um, it's, you know, Dover's down here, Margate and Ramsgate. And we're actually in Broadstairs at the moment. We've, we're just kind of waking up after a night out going around yeah. the micro I mean, I've been trying to get you down this part of the, part of the world for many, many years. So we're finally here. I'm, I'm pinching myself that we're actually here. Yeah. So, so we, Sean, just for, for the inf- information of the listeners, Sean grew up in Thanet and, yeah. and in Broadstairs and we're in his um, old house. Yeah. So we do a thing where we've been to Leeds, um, to, yeah. to where, where Paul grew up and we kind of went around the, the, the city of Leeds and, and tasted all its great, great beers. And whilst maybe Thanet isn't known for certainly many, many great breweries, it is the birthplace of the micropubs. So I certainly wanted to bring these guys down to show that's what, what that's like, how cask is so revered down this part of the world and see what else is uh, there to offer. Yeah, so we went to a couple of uh, interesting bars last night. Um, I think the first one was called The Chapel, is that right? Uh, Four Candles. Oh, sorry, yeah. How could, how you forget could I that? forget Right, okay. Yeah, sorry. I've been, ever since we've been talking about coming down here, I've been wanting to go to this place called The Four Candles. Just really because, like the name, but apparently, I was, you know, allegedly it was like the most amazing microbub, and it actually was. Because um, the way that they did it, um, you could get maybe 20 people in there comfortably, 22, something mm. like that. Um, and everything's like a stood up, stood up counters, which meant that, you know, you could get close, you could talk to your person opposite you. Um, but one of the weird things that wasn't quite made clear to me was they only did three beers. So. Mm-hmm. Make of that be what you will, but the one that I had in there was amazing. And they brewed it on site as well. Mm, yeah, so they they brew on that, in that small yeah. space. They also brew their own beer as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, was that their their IPA? Yeah, it was yeah. their IPA. Yeah, it was very tasty. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it's, it stands up against most IP, cask IPAs that you would have. Yeah, it's the cask, like Sean was saying, it's all about cask until later on. Yes, very much traditional English IPA style, but brewed and obviously very fresh. Yeah. like brewed on the premises, served up. And it's sort of, you know, someone comes around and takes the order from you and brings the beer to you. So yeah. it's not like a kind of a bar setup. No, um, and I guess that helps with their space as well. Exactly, yeah. When they've got yeah, limited yeah. space. But um, yeah, so, it was quite lively in there. Lots of people in there enjoying the um, Friday evening drinks and yeah, stuff. Early, so, early yeah, early evening drinks. So yeah. And then we moved on to the chapel. Mm. So the chapel, for, for my understanding, was like a 15th century uh, chapel back in the day. But more recently, to the residents of Broadstairs, it was the Albion Bookshop. And how they've set it up since is they've kind of left the remnants of the bookshop still there. And the idea is you can go in, sit down, uh, find a cosy little place, pick up a book off the shelf. You can read it, put it back. We can even buy it alongside drinking drinking mm. beer. So what do you think of that place? Oh, it's amazing. That, that, like the atmosphere in there and everything. And I love the fact that that whole kind of thing of... Like bookshop said, right, okay, we're packing up now. Bar said, right, we'll just move in. Mm. And like, I, I was having a little bit of a browse on the books, picked up a few, like an historical book about the great revolution of, of England. 
um, something about words, all, all sorts of random stuff. Um, it prompted and, conversation because yeah, we saw yeah. like a big range of encyclopedias. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're just like, that's a dying thing. Why would you, yeah, why would you yeah. have that kind of thing? Yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of sort of crazy bar layouts, this kind of takes the biscuit because it's literally drinking in a bookshop. Um, and, you know, the, some of the books, a lot of the books were there from the 1980s. There was a few new things in there, but we were just wondering like how long that book stock is going to last I'm going to say it's got a good few years to go yet mm. Mm. yeah and there's a quirky little you can go upstairs can't you you can go around and review the yep. looking down like you would in a, a church I guess you'd have yeah. that kind of view and then we moved off to the, to the Shepherd Neem pub uh, Neptune now I wasn't originally going to take you in there but I thought when in Rome we'll take you to Shepherd Neem pub and actually as, as kind of aesthetics go it's quite it's quite good it's got mm. the kind of glass mm. kind of nice kind of gold writing on it but um, we had a pint in there a uh, Shepanine seasonal beer called Dragon Fire. Yeah. And um, what did you guys think of that? Well, let's not be too cruel. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I, yeah, we, we don't like to be negative on this podcast and, and stuff, but um, it, let, let's put it this way, it wasn't the best beer of the night. At, mm-hmm. um, and But as a pub, as a bar, it's great. And you got some of the art on the wall, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a like, family tree of the Hacienda like mapping out all the different kind of creative things going on in Manchester and, and and the history of that kind of era from the 70s up to modern day and mm-hmm. stuff. But, like, in terms of atmosphere, great. Loads of people in there having a nice time, good range of people, um, some nice-looking pizzas being eaten. And, yeah, it's, you know, they definitely... I think we probably didn't choose the best one out of the lot, so um, that's the way I view Lesson it. Lesson learned. Yeah. Lesson learned. Okay. And then we moved on to um, camera pub of the year runner-up for this year, the Magnet, um, where we sat down. We had a game of dominoes, didn't we? We kind of started to kind of get quite competitive. <laughs> yep. um, it, it looked like they had an like, iron beer kind of tap takeover, all the remnants of one. Certainly, there was a lot of iron beer. Iron beer. Iron pier, sorry, iron pier. Not iron beer. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, iron brew. Yeah, I had a nice milk stout in there, which kind of ticked all the boxes in terms of what you'd expect from a milk stout. You guys had a hoppy IPA, did you? Yeah, yeah, sort of standard IPA. But mm. compared to what we'd been drinking in the previous pub, it was a delight. Yeah. It was mm. very nice. Yeah, mm. yeah, and again, like three completely different. Well, four completely different sort of vibes, atmospheres. This was a little bit more rough and ready and lighting lower and they had this really interesting kind of um almost like a candelabra made out of an old bottle drying stand with loads mm-hmm. of bottles stuck on it that's right yeah. it looks amazing up in the ceiling so um some interesting kind of curios and the board games and mm-hmm. stuff like that so yeah very yeah they, they do lots of live music in there as well mm. normally yeah i'm thinking if i lived here that's be my place that i would hang out most often i would mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. and then we finish off the night by i wasn't going to take you into this place um, the 39 Steps, you know, it's, it, it historically was three doors down from where it was now in an old pet shop, great place, where, and then they moved into this bigger premises where they kind of promised they would be brewing beer and all that, but it's kind of, it, it, it kind of just fell away from kind of being a place you'd want to visit, but we were quite pleasantly surprised mm. uh, when we went in there to the, great. last night. Yeah. yeah, it was around the corner, basically. We walked in, looked like a fairly traditional pub, then suddenly spotted some taps around the corner. Uh, which they're going to move to the front, but they're currently around the corner. And uh, what an amazing plethora of craft beers yeah. were, were there on keg. Yeah. So you had Time and Tide, Flop, Vault City, there was uh, Pressure Drop. Yeah. Um, Verdant. Verdant. Yeah. So I had the Dea as well. So yeah, Dea. Yeah. And 
you know, and what what's significant in 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 the bar that I'm certainly aware because I've been in there before is they've taken down what was the old bar canopy. You know, when you have the big stanchions that kind of sit on the bar, and you have a kind of big wooden thing that was quite quite imposing. They cut all of that down, so it's just an open, inviting bath, and it, mm. it brought so much light in. So clearly, yeah, that was done a week ago, as I understand it. And yeah, they plan to kind of make craft their focus, so they're going to make, make yeah, the yeah. And again, like great atmosphere, um, really good selection of cast beers as well as the keg, um, and yeah, uh, lots of people in there enjoying the atmosphere and and. Um, yeah, so good, good end to the evening, I think. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit of a damp, sort of windswept day, but uh, people were making the most of it anyway. Mm. Yeah, off and, to Margate today. Yeah, yeah. Um, we unfortunately we we weren't going to go by train, but we're going to jump on the, the the infamous loop bus. Planet loop. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, so that's going to be um, another kind of big day, and we'll report back on that at some point. Um, loads of stuff to see and do in Margate, and it's. Looking a bit sunnier as well, so it's crossed. We've recently caught up with Matt from Zapato Brewery just outside of Huddersfield. We discussed all sorts of things about the development of his brewery, the tap room there and everything else that's going on. Here's part one. So today's guests are Matt from Zapato Brewery. Um, we were lucky to drink some of their beers last weekend as I introduced the brewery to the to the club. And typically, one thing we like to do at the BBC is source beers from relatively unknown, certainly new to us, and up-and-coming breweries. And I was intrigued by your extensive range and the different beer styles you had to offer on your website. Um, Sabato, an independent brewery founded in 2015, if, if, if I'm right in saying, are located next to the River Colne on the outskirts of Marsden um, and have a thriving tap room, from what I can see, where drinkers can enjoy their beers alongside all the various type of events they put on, as well as regular and differing food trucks. Um, Sabato, as I understand it, pride themselves on brewing modern takes on traditional styles or contemporary twists on modern styles. Matt, could you please introduce yourself and tell us about yours and Sabato's journey to date? Okay, yeah, um, I'm Matt Goreski, um, and uh, I've been on a very long beer journey, um, of which Sabato is probably, oh, coming up to a third of it, I suppose. Um, I've worked, long story short, I worked, I worked in a bar um, for a very long time, that had a very good reputation for beer um north bar in leeds and i was kind of in the right place at the right time for the whole beer thing kicking off in the uk so i suppose when i arrived there was the day they took the guinness off draft <laughs> um and so if you think about it, i mean we're glad we've come for soca right guinness is popular again um but <laughs> um but essentially at that point in time we had north bar had three different types of lager on like basically a strong uh, strong um uh, a dry, medium, and sweet right. lager. Um, so a Dortmund, a Pilsner, and a um, I think Lindeboom Pilsner, something like that. Anyway, so the number of Belgian beers on draft as well, and we're just starting to to lean into cask with with serving roosters across the bar, and that to me was the kind of starting pistol for the modern kind of craft beer movement in the UK. Um, a few years after that, you had Magic Rock 
Brewdog, obviously, um, yeah. and so many imports coming in, and then the sort of the start of shifting sort of cask breweries towards modern beer and keg breweries starting to pop up, and then you know cans and you know, everyone knows the story, right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe they don't. They should know the story. There's there's a you know that whole thing. So I was in the right place at the right time, um, essentially, and um, got to do a lot with beer, meeting various people from around the world, and you know launching imported beers dealing with you know things like sierra nevada and um brooklyn in the early days as well as the europeans so anyway spent a long time there um got to learn about beer left after about 10 years of working for them um and essentially i went freelance um and at the same time as i went freelance i, went, I started zapato brewing um so i started on a really small scale with zapato just simply because wanted to make the beers good and I thought that experimentation on a large scale was a bad yeah. idea yeah. um so there was a lot changing in the industry you know what I mean and I didn't feel I was really ready to just sort of come out of a out of a you know quite a relatively high profile beer position to brewing and be that my number one thing also I needed that 2015 to was it was that around about 2015 yeah yeah um and also I needed to earn some money and everyone knows that you can't make any money in the beer industry right um yeah. so <laughs> um so I decided to I did some freelance work um worked for a number of breweries um worked on events um so I fantastically for me anyway landed the head of beer role at Indie Man Beer Con oh wow okay. um, I also kind of helped put together um, Leeds Beer Week and also the Hop City Festival in Leeds as well. So um, my freelance career went all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all went into the right sort of places. Um, and so building it was a part of in the background, really, um, working on lots of different things, working with lots of different people and trying to build this kind of um, vibe with Zapato. Um, we were, it was a bad strategy. I suppose it's a good strategy for me at the time, bad strategies for getting the beers out. You know what I mean? Because we had like a, a really early peak when people were really into it um, on, you know, on tapped and stuff like that. You sort of go up and then you fall back down. And then also then, you know, another 2000 breweries went through that cycle. Everything changed in beer. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think brewing on a small scale at that point was quite difficult. You know, there's certainly no, no way to make a margin in it. Right. That scale um, where you, was it small pack or was it kind of keg or what at that particular? Oh thing? man. I mean, starting off with a few hundred bottles, like everyone, right. Um, brewing, we were brewing at a place called Badco, um, who are just North of Burbridge. Um, so we started off brewing there on a tiny, tiny, tiny kit, like pots and pans, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, just sort of cycled up, um, ended up working at Northern Monk on their test kit and then their bigger brewery, um, Kirkstall um, for a little while, uh, Brass Castle for a little while, Atom for a little while. Okay. Uh, we know Alan. Yeah. We know Alan. Uh, uh, <laughs> cool. Um, don't know if I missed anyone out. Ended up at Legitimate. Obviously, we recently then we worked with Squawk. We worked with Runaway as well. Runaway for a long time and was real sort of um, big part in getting a lot of the recipes together. Um, and then eventually Legitimate, which just came along at the right time because it's a really good high-capacity brewery um, with, with some really great people working for it. Um, really solid sort of people just out of university at Harriet Watt and stuff like that always, you know. See, I wouldn't mind unpacking a little bit about that. We hear legitimate brewing quite quite often, but, you know, for us outside mm. the industry, not really working in it, 
you know, it'd be kind of good to understand what that really is. You know, is, is it contract brewing? You know, is they got a massive, how does it all work? That kind of. They are essentially contract brewery now. Um, yeah. They were associated with Reds and they still brew Reds, which is a barbecue joint. Um, barbecue oh, yeah, joint. I've seen that. But yeah, true. Yeah, true. They're, Reds. they're associated with Reds um, and they brewed the beer for Reds. Um, okay. Obviously, it's sort of post pandemic. I don't think Reds was needing as much beer. I think things changed in the in the company and stuff like that. So they, they're doing a lot more um, contract brewing um, and are generally just a great, great brewery to work with. You know what I mean? But they have a lot of space um and again we've been we've been working with them through the pandemic so a lot of you know for everyone a lot of the story is tied up with that essentially you know what i mean and one of one of the reasons one of the big reasons we didn't put a brewery in place on site at home mills um was simply because everything switched around um yeah. and we became a hospitality company or well we became a mail order company for a while but as soon as people were out we became the only game in town with a big beer garden, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we became much more of a hospitality company, which is what my background is anyway. Yep. Um, and actually, I don't, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> so so do, you, do you get involved in the brew day? Uh, you know, you know, obviously you say you've kind of defined your in kind of what's on your recipes at, with various different breweries. Is a typical brew day yourself being there on site helping? Not anymore, no. Um, I spent a good a good amount of time um, doing that up until we started working with Squawk Runaway and Legitimate, so yeah. sort of a um, little while ago. I, yeah, I've bailed out enough match times yeah. to sort And I don't really see, at the end of the day, the... I'm not going to add anything to that process by being yeah. there. You yeah. know what I mean, and I, I kind of feel that, like, through what I've done in the past and the, the people I worked with in the past, um, I've got quite a good eye for recipe formulation, yeah. and I've got usually a very specific thing that I want to achieve from it. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, yeah, I'm quite happy on that front. Um, given recipes, I work closely with the brewer anyway. We spec everything out. You know, it was kind of a weird thing when I first started because I thought I was really, really onto something because I don't know. 80, 90% of sort of craft breweries were working with one type of yeast and were very, very safe in what they were doing. They were pulling brilliant beers out of their hearts. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it just, there was a lot of things where I was kind of like, well, if I just use different yeast on a regular basis, then that's going to actually be a dif- differentiator between us and other breweries at that point in time. I think my sort of go slow approach obviously allowed everyone to catch up and now it's, you know, the game is much harder now. You know what I, I mean? I've been but... quite intrigued by the mash gang model in terms of they're, they're going out, buying up the capacity in all the different mm. breweries. So when the fierce is, you know, fierce brewery kind of scales up and gets a brand new kit where they, they're absolutely not yeah. fulfilling, they then buy the capacity and essentially that, and so enables them to do loads of collaborations and be seen from the outside as being all over the place. Um, yeah. Which I think is a really, really interesting model. I guess you're yours the kind of pre- well, it, it, it's it's the Mikkel model, right? You know, Mikkel is maybe a bit of a dirty word these days, um, mm. but you know, in, incredibly successful model. All right, he had a story in that you know initially he went to every brewery, didn't he, and yeah. bargained a brew for them and a brew for him or whatever. You know what I mean? And it, it was it was a sort of great story. But essentially, like, there's no reason to have brewing in a in a, in a central place. And I think that one of the kind of <laughs> one of the um, Kind of early craft beer myths is that there's you know it's it's the art versus science thing with beer isn't it you know what i mean how much magic goes on in the brewery 
how much magic goes on, you know, up here. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a founding myth of the whole thing. Um, and it's a nice thing to, to think about. But at the end of the day, you know, a recipe is a recipe. The process is the process. There's so many things you can change in the process. And that's kind of what makes it interesting. But that also is what makes great beers, right? You know what I mean? So, you know, those those things aren't really like a, a short-term practical thing. They're like a long-term planning and working out and, you know, knowing your shit thing aren't yeah. they i think that makes sense yeah so i guess you get the benefit of <laughs> using all the, a bit now. <laughs> you get the benefit of using all the breweries canning lines and stuff like that as well Sorry, i'm I just guess getting a phone it doesn't call. get shipped back oh. to you to kind of get put into a small pack does it sorry say again i think it is a bad line actually we are we are, we are jumping a little bit I don't my know phone if... ringing it oh, was is my it? phone ringing. Okay, Sorry. yes. I've, I've now turned it on to it. <laughs> <laughs> so the benefit of that contracting is that you're able to you're able to kind of get the use of their canning line and everything else that goes alongside with that. Yeah, I mean we we still contract can actually um with okay. Bevcraft. So they come along um and can it. Um I'm in the brewery probably three or four times a week, you know what I mean, at the moment. Yeah. So I'm I'm there regularly. And, um, you know, we work together like any other brew team, you know what I mean? It's just that, that, that our brewery is not on the site of our tap room, you know yeah. what I mean? And um, there is definitely plans to put a tap room, a, a brewery on site, but it comes down to money at the end of the day <laughs> and, and wise decisions, you know, and if I can yeah. make that sort of, yeah, at that quality um, on a regular basis, then, you know, it, the equation has always been, I beat myself up for years for not putting the brewery in place on site it was probably about three years agony trying to get the right point and we we almost got to the line we were going to buy the kit at verdant um the old kit at verdant 360 have got that now, now haven't they uh exactly, yeah yeah exactly so yeah. and it was so close and um it's there's a pandemic <laughs> and it was a bad idea to spend you know Okay. Um, one thing I want to know is where does the name Sapato come from? Ah, do you know what? It was it was a bit of a fudge, to be honest. Um, we were called Sapata to start off. Um, after at that time, um, like unironically as well, like Zapatista rebels, so like anarchist leftist guerrillas, of which you may see a few of those sort of things in the beer industry. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, came from a came from a good place. You know yeah. what I mean. But uh, I'm kind of you know, um, it feels very, you know, seven or eight years ago. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. feel very now. You know, and so anyway, um, essentially we 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 went we looked into the copyright and um, you know, kind of after we formed really, um, it we found that it was owned globally um by a mexican politician um okay <laughs> which is including beer manufacturing um so we just kind of thought maybe not um it wouldn't, wouldn't be a good idea um and so we just changed the a to an o 
um, which means shoe. I know. Thought, I was going to ask. I was going to mention that. I found well, that out. We just thought, like, if everything went went wrong with the general strategy, we could just create a, a, a range of shoe themed beers. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the idea and, and and what we talk about and what we talk about in terms of branding, I suppose, is like. Um, it, it's it's kind of versatile, you know. There's no other brewery called Zapato, right? Um, we've got great design work and sort of artwork behind what we do, and and, and sort of what we hope is a good philosophy as well, you know. So that's what the brand means, and that's what Zapato means to a certain extent. It's it's pretty flexible. You'll see various different logos knocking about, um, which is something I quite like. You know what I mean? It's uh, I kind of like to poke a bit of fun at. Um, Beer culture, I suppose. And just be a bit silly with it, you know what I mean? And just 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 have a laugh. I mean, beer's about having a nice time, isn't it? And a fun time. It's about hospitality um and chatting with your mates. And if the beer is good as well, then yeah. Yeah. That just makes it better, right? <laughs> um, I think it's been very last few years, especially, and you know, things that I've been involved in have been very sort of product centric you know what I mean and, and sort of single cans and everything changing all the time and you know and I, I, it's, I think well I think we're finding out now that there's there's nowhere to hide when that's the that's the way of things you know what I mean so, um, so yeah you know it's kind of about that as well yeah so but then getting the idea of a little bit of a rebel within the beer industry that's quite interesting in its own right um, <laughs> I, like, I enjoy the wind up you know yeah um, I can see that yeah I, I think I think for me you know it, it was I like the process. Um, I love beer. Obviously, it's it's dead nice. I like the process. I like the creative process behind it. Um, I'm not, you know, I've, I've, I'm not a traditional business owner. I suppose, you know, <laughs> put it like that before I say anything else. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you like the fun side of it, which is interesting. I mean, it, what about beer names? I mean, you know, is that was it? Colin the cat we just had, wasn't Martin, it? Martin, Martin the cat, Martin, yes, yeah. Martin. But, you know, um, kind of typical of your kind of beer naming, or what? what um, process? Yeah, I mean, there's in terms of Martin. I mean, of, of all the ones to pick, that was the most simple because I was just a bit stuck for a name, uh, and I was yeah. like, okay, I'll make a cat beer. I've got to make a cat beer at some point in time. <laughs> I I really like cats. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's got to go. Loads of other people really like cats. It makes sense to make a cat beer, right? Um, and also it, it's sort of, it's actually a sort of recipe that's quite homely and kind of um, fairly old school as well. So, you know, that kind of fitted in with that. Um, the other ones tend to come out of a conversation between me and James, the designer, um, James Refold, who, um you might have come across before um and yeah it's either just we're just chatting about stuff and we'll just go that's a good beer name you know what I mean um or it's a reference to something in particular um I'm trying to think of trying to think of some beer names now um with your kind of irreverent attitude that you might have a few in jokes within the beer names that's where I was yeah yeah the, the thing is, now I think about them, I can't remember any of the beer names whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. So, I mean, there, there's... Whatever, there whatever, is. isn't it? You're kind of imperial stouts, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, do you know, I don't think there's any real thing linking the beer names. <laughs> anything, um, <laughs> apart from general silliness. Um, whatever, whatever was just really, just the fact that uh, I think at the time I was kind of feeling that there's just a... It's a hip-hop reference, firstly um okay. but secondly it's it's also kind of it, it's a straight stout generally 
you know what I mean? And it's a fairly old school, fairly simple recipe. Um, it's just really well brewed, I think. And, you know, I, I always kind of very early days, we did some flavoured stouts, you know, sort of quite a while ago. And I really, again, it's one of those things where I really thought that that's the way things were going. Um, and it was for a while. Well, um, after making him, I was like, yeah, no. you know, I'm not as bothered about that sort of thing. And mm. I think I think we will probably do more flavoured stouts, I'm sure we will, you know what I mean? But I don't want it to be kind of what we do right now because the market for it is um, kind of a bit silly. At the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, is, is that a bit of a prediction then? Because it, it's interesting, like, obviously some breweries like Emperors are the kind of archetype of that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. stain ingredient mixture. Do you yes. genuinely think that that is kind of a little bit over now? Well, it's it's not it's not fresh and new. Mm. No. You know what I mean? And and I think what you're kind of seeing with beer is that you are seeing like a lot more trend led stuff. You know what I mean? And sort of you know hazy IPA was probably the biggest trend in beer since mm. oh god when you know what i mean but there's always been trends in food and drink right and, and especially drinks you know what i mean and there's always a bit of, you know it, it ranges from the really great really great innovative to the really really gimmicky you know what i mean and so you you, you decide for yourself on what's what side of that spectrum i suppose yeah. things are up um but yeah i mean whatever whatever was supposed to be a fairly plain stout you know what i mean i was more excited about the plain bit than the one with the coffee but um it's turned out now actually that the coffee one is really slamming um and i had a, I had a couple we, of uh, yeah we we had both cans it's, uh, it's mellowed out a lot um it, i was happy with it when it was fresh but it's mellowed out a lot and it's um it, the flavors are sort of bound together a little bit more now so yeah it's it's doing you know, i'm pretty, pretty pleased with them both to be honest yeah we had both cans uh on on saturday and actually surprisingly for us the one that had been infused with the coffee um was a mm. lot more rounded a lot more sweeter the actual the, the actual uh, mm. standard one was more kind of coffee led it was more coffee forward it had that bitterness that you kind of associate oh, okay. with it. um certainly for us if, if you blind tasted them you would have thought they were yeah. the other way around yeah, really yeah. oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> well, one was definitely smoother than the other for sure yeah, yeah. well i'll find that on dark ones definitely uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they were both uh, good so just in terms of kind of your, your brewery lineup then i mean talk about pails you know core core range and all that yeah. I mean, is it mainly core? Is it is it half and half with specials? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, I suppose you could call it half and half. I think we we have a summer pale and a winter pale. We have a summer lager and a winter lager, right. um, and we're sort of trying to fit into that kind of cycle for core stuff. Um, I, I I kind of like the idea where you have core stuff and variations on that core stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think you've still got to do a few one offs. You know what I mean? But it, it, it it's unless they're big beers, it's difficult to sell them, you know, mm. to a, a wider market. And obviously the the bottle shop um, industry isn't firing away at the moment, you know mm. what I mean? It's a bit of a scary time for that. Um, so, you know, I think I think at the end of the day, we, we brew probably primarily for the tap. Yeah. Um, the most of what we sell is obviously is, is definitely to the tap still. Um, we have Hellis Lager through summer, Pills through winter. Um, we have Thwok through winter, and we have Shoom through summer. They're the two sort of core pale ales alongside Martin, which is a bit more of an occasional. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it does fall into seasons. It, it's just been it's been so difficult over the last few years because it's been really difficult to brew. You know, it's been really difficult to predict demand. Demand has gone like that. It's like cans one day, kegs the next, you know, and then everyone's drinking cask again. You know what I mean? It is really hard at the moment. Um, but also we've been growing at the same time. So we've been needing more beer constantly, but then having to try and fit in these trends, which sometimes kind of go go wacky. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you know, otherwise... I, I try to do things as seasonally as possible, you know what I mean? Um, but we kind of in a cycle now, you know what I mean? And I, I kind of feel that at the moment, like quite a lot of the beers we've brewed in the past are still well deserving to be in the lineup. So um, I'm just sight. And also I kind of want more people to try those beers. Like in yeah. the first instance, maybe a bunch of people tried the first ever time we did that beer, you yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, next time round, loads and loads, loads more people can try a version of it, right? Um, so, you know, it is, there's still quite a lot of unfinished business in terms of the beers we put out so far and kind of how far we've got them out, really, because we only really sell beer around the M62. Um, so, you know, we're spending a lot of time at the moment getting out and doing a bit more and hopefully getting more beers to people. Well, that seems like a good good place to kind of talk about your tap because, um, I, you know, from your website, it certainly mm-hmm. seems to be the hub, as you kind of explained, of your business. What is a, what's your lineup look like? How many tap lines do you have? I mean, I, I see you have numerous events. I was really intrigued to hear about that shush cinema. <laughs> that kind of really sounded sounded interesting. Oh, right yeah, 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 definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, the cinema's doing pretty good. Um you can you can get involved in it or, um, by the website or just contact us on social media. It's it's like silent cinema, right? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I think all of that. I, I remember when I first. I mean, I first saw silent disco. That was the thing that I first saw when you just like a huge amount of people in a room or with headphones on, and it's just complete silence. And it yeah. was like I was like, oh, what the heck? You know what I mean? But yeah, now it's in cinema and we do it at the tap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, loads of events on. You, you can't run a pub without events these days. You know what I mean? You need to be doing stuff on a regular basis because we, we've been prizing people out of their houses and off their sofas and out of supermarkets for you know a long time you know what i mean again yeah. pandemic didn't help that sort of thing you know what i mean cultures sort of changed but we are seeing some real good growth at the top at the moment and it's sort of we're getting it to the point where it is doing what you know it needs to to a certain extent and, and, a, and a touch more hopefully um so yeah it's also an amazing tap it's really 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 nice and i don't know you mentioned, you mentioned that you've got kind of nice green space is it because i know you're, you're located by the river is the kind of the green space there so you can kind it's of not industrial. It's, not... it's an old woolen mill um so and when, when we got to it it had our place had basically like a kiddies play gym inside it um and the whole place was overgrown and since we've been there the whole place has been cleared and we've found underneath it a wonderful huge lawn that goes all the way down to the river Colne. um and it's a fairly rural setting there's beautiful huge beech trees you know it's 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 pretty special sitting in the garden at kind of um sort of half seven half eight at night you know what i mean just the river going by and and the area is just beautiful you know what i mean so um i'm saying this is someone who only moved to the area what's eight years ago something like that okay um so 
it's just fantastic. And, and I, I've lived in Leeds for years and years and years. I'm from, you know, from Yorkshire, but I never knew that all of this was here. You know, what I mean? it's like valleys and woods and streams, and it's mm. just. Like well, we should refer to our, our Yorkshire delivery. resident, our, our Yorkshire yeah. resident. Paul, yeah. do, you, do you know much about this area? Well, I know my auntie Pat lives near nearby, okay. but uh, yeah, I'm from Leeds originally. Um, from Leeds, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, familiar with the Leeds beer scene. I've been away from Leeds for quite a while. Still got relatives. Yeah. Well, my mum and dad still live there, and uh, my auntie in Huddersfield. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because what you're, I think, where you are, that like you say, it's you're probably the only show in town. In terms of that area that you well no no there's um there are two breweries either side of us on oh, the canal. Right, okay. um there is another one there are several in Huddersfield as well you know what I mean yeah it, yeah it's thinking about really where you are. Area. and they've got magic rock down the road twenty right. minutes um right. yeah. and that actually were very much not the only show in town it's kind of the reason why I put a brewery, put a brewery tap here because I knew that there was a market right, right. Um, there's definitely people around here that love beer um, and there's lots of breweries you know what I mean it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's a hell of a good area for beer sorry one second what's up yellow pen <laughs> yeah, shut, shut the door behind you make sure, make sure this is edited out <laughs> <laughs> just crawled, it just crawled under bless him do you want any more pens do you want any more do you want to take a pot yeah <laughs> cool shut that door sorry where were we no. alright so it's a little hub that I didn't really really know about then. and as you said you know, remember, everything... when, so when were you in Leeds Oh, when I, I mean, I was Leeds? regularly in Leeds till about 20, 2002 or something like that. So that's a long time ago. But I have actually been back on a few trips, et cetera, uh, to right. sample the beers and what have you. Um, but I've never been to Huddersfield drinking ever. Obviously, I knew about Magic Rock. They've been there yeah. forever. But no, in terms of like uh, this, well, we know every every town's got a hub now. I just wasn't really aware of the Huddersfield one. Yeah, we, we just there's one just gone out of business, sort of ten minutes from us, fifteen minutes from us. Donkey Stone. I don't know if you've oh yes, heard stuff. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that on social media. So yeah, but there's yeah there's beer rink. Um, there's Empire just down the road from us. The Riverhead Tap has a brewery in as well. Mm. Um, you've got Malinson's, obviously, absolute legends. Um, <laughs> And yeah, there's all sorts. There's all sorts. Yeah. No, I just wondered if we crossed paths in Leeds before, but I think we I don't think from, probably not. Yeah. No, we probably missed each other. Started North Bar in two thousand. Yeah, before. North Bar. Yeah, I mean, I've only been in like as a as a short tourist, not as a local. Mm. When I was in Leeds, it was sort of you know White Locks and the Eagle Tavern and things of that nature. You know, mm. yeah, it still is. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, I'm White Locks these days. Um, yeah, Leeds is Leeds is incredible for beer as well. It's just Yorkshire in particular is mm. is well, yeah, actually what I would like to ask about is vocation, maybe, because um, you know, they've kind of gone scaled up hugely, they've got their own bars, they're in supermarkets. I mean, is that something to aspire to in your in your sort of world? Or do you think that's just for other people? Not not for me, really. Um it's it's not like we haven't had the opportunity. But I just, I don't know. <laughs> That's not what we're generally in it for. There's no reason I wouldn't like sell a beer in a supermarket. You know what I mean? If if mm. if it worked for us, but you know, it doesn't at the moment, <laughs> um, really. Um, so I, I, if you think about vocation, I mean, vocation 
started off day one in the supermarket, right? You know what I mean? And they've done the whole thing backwards. Yeah. Like now they're just, now they're, you know, they're doing really, really well with everyone, right? You know what I mean? But yeah. they, they, they went supermarket front and center straight off the bat because there was so much beef around it at the time. And they just went, they just went straight for it. You know what I mean? And it, <laughs> as a result of that, grow their business. You know what I mean? Like uh, you can say what you want about, well, there's many, many different stories rather about beer in supermarkets, whether it should be there, whether it shouldn't, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And you know, we could spend another three hours talking about that. <laughs> However, um, you've got to admire their strategy in just getting that sort of stuff sorted out the way, get their brand relied on by supermarkets, and hopefully then get the margin that they deserve out of the supermarkets. Hopefully, I don't know what they get out of it, but um you know, it's a, it's a fine strategy, and I think that mm. now they don't have to do that all that explaining. You know what I mean? Oh, mm. you're throwing everyone under the bus or whatever. You know, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah, because no, as you said, North, no, but, uh, as you as you said, North and Northern were well established already, weren't they? And vocation, like you say, did it slightly differently. You know, mm. bringing getting their own bars going is quite uh, quite a special thing. Although the one in Leeds is closed now, though, is it? The vocation. Yeah, the assembly. Yeah, isn't the assembly room? Yeah, it's changed. Well, it's changed hands, certainly. Um, yeah, I, th- I just, I think they're just. It's a funny spot that. Um, it was very weird um, drinking in there because before it was vocation, it was quite a seedy gig venue. All right. My, my, one of my abiding mem- memories from that gig venue is um, going into the toilets and seeing the eye. The, the toilet, the walls of the cubicle had all fallen down, so they were all on the floor. And there was just a guy just literally having a shit. Oh, <laughs> and like people were just going in and going, "What the fuck, man!" And <laughs> <laughs> what else can you do? Yeah, I'm starting, so I'll finish. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the other options are not 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 really as palatable yeah, as that one. No. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was always it's always funny drinking in there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that that was anything. Again, it's just the the pandemic has wrought so much problems, and at the end of the day, you're looking mm. at a very um central venue on probably the highest rent in town or something like that right you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um you know it's probably just a business decision get yeah. get shot at that it doesn't seem like vocation is suffering in any way um they're definitely on one at the moment i think they've opened up a new a new bar in uh, sheffield i believe yeah i think they yeah. have yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah so that's yeah. Recent, so. something it's it's something you're gonna see from all the breweries, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like adding hospitality, selling your own beer. It, it's, a, it's a, you know, makes way more sense. It makes a lot more sense than cans. And if cans are squeezed, then, you know, people are going to go and see pubs and bars, which, you know, we'll see who are the best at being hospitable or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's quite funny, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot about that ethos of personality and all the rest of it, isn't it? Which, um... yeah. Yeah, it's just it's, it's interesting what's happening at the moment because we've, we've seen like growth for some years, you know what I mean, and and obviously everything's gone and fallen over, you know what I mean, and um, 
there's a whole host of different issues that breweries have to deal with now, not least sustainability, business-wise and environmentally. You know what I mean? That they- yeah, I've seen you've got a bit on your website about you know travel to the tap room. You can you, you know you, you encourage people to go there as sustainable as they can. I kind of that's a nice touch. Yeah. I'm gonna like hand on heart. Like I prefer people who don't drive um, when it comes to coming to pubs. Um, it's fucking how I, you know what I mean? All right, you're going to have a drink, come on. Um, fair enough, if you're non-alcoholic, if you're non-alcohol beer, then all right, cool, yeah. you can drive. Um, but yeah, we, we just have a bit of an issue at the moment with people parking, you know, mm. and it seems it's because of the train strikes to a certain extent, which is, you know, because of the government. Um, <laughs> and we rely upon that. You know, um, and so everyone's bloody driving. It's just train starts because of the lack of buses. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't blame people for driving to the tap, but like, you know, if yeah. you don't drive, you have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Makes yeah. it better. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, it, it, like more seriously, yes, we, we, we have to measure our carbon footprint. We have to change things. You know what I mean? If we send, you know, if we make people think at least about not bringing their car because mm. they don't want to pollute, um, then it's better, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's better for the it's better for the environment, it's better for the community, it's better for everything. So, um, you know, other than them getting back to pick up to relieve the babysitter on time, which is yeah. you know the thing. Yeah, that, uh, that becomes sure. their issue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no, I. It's, we have plenty of parking on site as well, and we're looking at more parking. You know what I mean? So, you know, just throw that in there. Just yeah. in case. <laughs> and I know you've got quite extensive opening hours, really. You know, we've heard a lot of places kind of restricting their hours. You you say very much what you're talking about in terms of it is the hub. It sounds like you're open every day, every day now. Um, and, you know, most times from 12 to 8 o'clock from what I've seen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it, really, haven't you? Um, and I, I, I think we've we've filled a niche um, that, you know, people kind of needed around here to a certain extent. And uh, so, and, and my, my, my thoughts on being a pub is about you. You're a community focus, right? You know, um, and you're a place for people to have all sorts of different experiences. And, you know, also you need to be responsive to the people around you. Those are the people that um, supported us through the pandemic when literally you might, you could have put a wall up around here, like everywhere else. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one went out of the area. <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone was, um, apart from me driving my car around, <laughs> with the cans for everyone that was buying them online um you know there was a, a good pass for people in beer through the pandemic yeah. to get out on their own but anyway you know they're the ones you know when, when we opened sort of halfway through the pandemic when that first lockdown lifted and the beer garden filled up and everyone was drinking six percent belgian ipa out of bottles because that's all we had um you know i think i think we managed to lodge in people's heads quite nicely there as you know the blessed relief for all of that um you know so you know again that's we, we always wanted to be part of the community but the pandemic made it you know an absolute mm. necessity really you know what i mean so yeah great stuff okay we're on to the, the part that we like to kind of um reach out to the listeners to kind of ask them some ask you guys some questions um we've got a couple of questions here john do you want to ask them yeah yeah so uh, so, so the first question is from I hope so. 
<laughs> Brian Chilvers. Um, so Brian Chilvers has asked this question. The beer styles you predominantly produced would, would sorry, I'm going to start that again. I'll edit that bit out because <laughs> I've not read it very well. <laughs> uh, I spend all my day speaking for a living and talking to people. So yeah, <laughs> actually talking in the evening becomes difficult. Um, so done that completely. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Chilvers asked, the beer styles you predominantly produce would suit cask. Have you um, or are there plans to support this dispense method? Yes, we have a full cask range um, now, as in um, I've actually got two different bitters on which is something I never thought I'd say when I got into beer. I used to put a bitter on um, back when I ran the bar and it would take a long time to get through. Yeah. People mm -hmm. were not fussed about it. We've got two now, which says a lot about that style. Um, and I mean, cask was my, it was always, cask is always my number one, I think. Yeah. Um, it's the best thing. It, it just, you can neck it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's super yeah. refreshing, but it, it delivers so much. You know what I mean? And and yeah. it's in this ridiculous kind of British weird beer culture that we have. It it's just not valued as much as I would say the Germans value their lagers as the mm. Belgians value their you know high fermented beers. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's you know it's had its moments, obviously. Yeah. Um, Certainly, we've reached the high water mark on the camera front, you know, unless they can reinvent themselves, which I can't imagine. <laughs> you know, but, but the cold cask system is a mess. We'll we'll not talk about it at the moment in terms of the way, you know, the money that people pay for it and all sorts of stuff. Everyone's yeah. got a fucking opinion about it. You know, everyone knows someone who used to say, I used to buy this for six shillings, you know, <laughs> you know, and so yeah, anyway, cask culture is amazing. Um and yes, we do, we do, we do have a cask range. And so how does I'll, how does that work when you're when you're brewing a beer? Do you kind of is does every beer go into cask or is it just certain styles that you kind of think just certain styles, yeah. It's it's specific beers rather than anything else. Okay. I've found I mean, it'd be interesting, uh, you know. I think in terms of what what we produce at the moment, obviously we have with lagers and stuff like that. But everything to me that's in keg or in can is there because it deserves to be in keg or in can. You know what I mean? It's it needs to be fizzy beer. Um, mm -hmm. That's you know that's distinct from cascale. You know what I mean? Not everything works well in cask, just as not everything works well in keg. Um, one of the founding notions of the brewery was um, beer in every format. You know, if it, if mm -hmm. it deserves to be in a bottle, then it will go in a bottle. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it deserves to be in a 75 centiliter or a 330 mil or a, you know, keg or in cask, like if it's right for the beer, then that's what it needs to be in. Um, the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole, honestly, if I compare when I started at North Bar, right, and they had a Belgian Belgian Schuf and Brooklyn collaboration, yeah? yeah. It was called um it was called what was it called? Schuf. Come back to me. Um, <laughs> but it was it was amazing. If if someone rolled that beer out now, it'd blow people away. You know what I mean? It was amazing. Last, I think it was called. Um plus three different types of lager, plus Rooster's Pale on draft and a stout. You know what I mean? Like mm. 
beer deserves to be like a Flemish red, but like I've had it, people put it in cask and people get really excited about it or like Cantillon in cask, which we served a number of times. It's not right. It needs to be carbonated in a bottle, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> because that's how it works, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's good to experiment with those sort of things, but certain beers work in certain formats and that's, I agree. Know, the whole yeah, no. bottle, you know, whatever, man. Come on, you know everyone needs to drop that. But they have dropped that shit, though. You know what I mean? But, yeah, um, it's get it's getting better. Brilliant. Anyway, right. I'm rambling on. No, I think you've asked that <laughs> one. Right. We're, we were we were Cantillon and Cask, but anyway, yeah, that that just blows my mind. I'm not saying it, it wasn't shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? We literally sent a guy over with casks. Mm. He filled it and he brought it back. The amount of the amount, of, the, the amount of lambic that has passed through my hands for less than fifteen quid a bottle. Yeah, oh, you don't. You don't even. Know. We used to sell it in place of champagne because we we wouldn't stop champagne because we were so stringent about beer that we wouldn't. Have, we didn't want champagne, so we'd sell people lambic over Christmas. Oh, um, you know, pennies, pennies. Now look at it. <laughs> Just letting the cat in, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, we're about Martin, to... actually. Oh, was yeah. it Martin? <laughs> so, yeah, the podcast moment, totally visual. In fact, we can't even see him. Um, Martin, the cat, the beer, the cat, has <laughs> entered the room, but we can't actually see him. Do you want to see him? <laughs> yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously not going to work on the podcast, but the the um, we can say, yep. Yeah, there he is. Oh yeah. So he's only got three legs. Yeah, that's uh, he lost his leg on Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh bless. Yeah. Cool. Looks totally he impressive. Slow down very much imagination. He's 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 fully able. He <laughs> just falls over. Cheat <laughs> 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 is over. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So um Second question from a, um, one of our sort of public followers on Twitter. Um, so this is from Scott, a.k.a. The Splanion. Splanion 2010. Right, you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Splanion 2010 is his handle. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it. Scott, I'm not even going to try repeating his handle, asks, when are they making the Martin Can Art into a T-shirt? Ooh. <laughs> um... Well, we've we've just taken a step closer um, by someone requesting it. If there are more requests, then absolutely, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, it can happen. I can just see that now as a podcast kind of strapline. Yeah, I can see that as a way of getting yeah, out. Can get people on there saying, you know, is, I, I suppose if you if you yeah. measure the brewery's growth in terms of like the you know my kind of will to buy more t-shirts which are quite expensive <laughs> and get made and i'm you know trying to focus on the bottom line as much as possible <laughs> yeah. um but but you know um we're, we're kind of at that stage at the moment is we're, we're, we're kind of building up ahead of steam you know what i mean um and you know the more people buy the beer i suppose the more the more martin t-shirts will be able to buy but it, it's still it's still very early days man like last year was hard um and up until probably march this year it was hard you know what i mean it was really was like oh god you know um everything's a bit close to the bone but you know we're, we're still here uh, <laughs> which is good so yeah 
Well, we've not, we've not had so much fun in a podcast for a while. This is good. So what about the, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned your designer uh, before. Could you just name check again on your can designer? Um, it's James Ockleford, um, goes as Refold. Um, so I've worked, I mean, that's that's the sort of, you know, the longest kind of collaboration in the brewery. I mean, God, we've been, we've been working together in one way or another since sort of 2015, I suppose. 20, sorry, 2015. Um, so yeah he's ace um, he does a lot of what what's on the can labels which I suppose we're kind of just getting around to explaining um, is the result of sort of conversations between um, between us really and, and things pop out that we yeah. think we'll kind of pursue yeah I think obviously, this, this, obviously the cat one really hit a few buttons because I mean we were all quite intrigued with it I'm quite into my illustrations uh, in another sort of field, and I couldn't actually see the cat for ages. So these guys, uh, are, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's the, the other ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once yeah. you see the ear, you see the whole thing. Right? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we we in we we generally work pretty well together, and and kind of with with fairly little kind of having to really really spend loads of time on process. You know what I mean? Like uh, I think James has quite a distinct style. You'll see. Um, it's more famous work on on North Bruco, right? And um, that's all. Yeah. Um, and he does also Brulo. Um, okay. The, um, yeah, or is it called Coast? Coast now. Um, and various other things like more arty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, James, James, I suppose, when you, you put as the top, you know, the, the memorable, one of the memorable beer can designers of, of you know, the whole the whole of the last 10 years, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, it just always seems like a very simple process, mm. really, mm. to be honest with you. You know, the place where it falls down is when I've got to, like, order the labels or yeah. buy them. So you know, proof the labels. <laughs> so there's been the odd uh, typo over the years. Certainly, if if any of our listeners are kind of wanting to know what we're talking about, it's worth looking at your web shop and 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 looking at the the, the array of designs that that, that that's there. Because when we tease, yeah. when I tease the beers over Twitter, what we're drinking this particular weekend. As soon as I released the one that was the Citra Cairo uh, uh, beer, the kind of Sabata Pale, mm-hmm. you know, it, someone got it because it is very striking in terms of its, it's letters mm-hmm. all just broken up in a kind of triangle slash tree, whatever you want to call it. And it yeah. kind of, it really stands out. It's simple, but it's effective. It kind of looks like a bit of a Zelda Triforce, I think, that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is kind of a, a cool thing. Jay, when I mentioned it, I was like, oh, it's Zelda Triforce, isn't it? And he's like, oh, no, I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's very typographical. Um, I, I don't know. I think again, you've had you've had a few years of of sort of beer can art in all its various forms. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Kind of, I think it's challenged at the moment. You know what I mean? I think you know you sometimes get that kind of like how much did label cost? You know what I mean? All that <laughs> stuff, you know, and it, yeah. it, it's it, I'm sure it's generally people are involved in beer businesses going i want to do arty stuff you know what i mean i think there's a lot of frustrated um certainly frustrated musicians and frustrated artists making beer and and that's that's your art side um you know what i mean and when they combine with science 
you know, we can't be stopped. Um, so, you know, that could be a, that's, um, that could be a good catchphrase. So, yeah. I think um, well, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Some of the like the tight partnerships that we've heard about over the years. So, a couple of years ago, we had um, a call with Noah from Chapter um, on, yeah. um, and he works with Boneface, who um, is famous for illustrating like Queens of the Stone Age albums and things like that. And Boneface, like he described him as a bit of a, almost sounded like a bit of a recluse, but yeah. kind of, mm. and yeah, he struck up this kind of, or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he struck up this relationship and has worked with him. And Chapter aren't a massive brewery; they're starting to extend a bit more outside of their sort of home, just outside of Liverpool. But it's not like a big business or anything. But he's managed to develop that relationship with a really, really amazing illustrator, and he still mm. works closely with him. So. Seems to happen quite a lot, you know, mm. that kind of yeah, thing. I think so. It's it's a, it's a small business thing, isn't it? To a mm. certain extent, it's kind of like there's an you know people using their skills and kind of artistic sentiments to kind of you know make a wage essentially. You know what I mean? And and do yeah. something that they enjoy. You know what I mean? It, it is that that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot more creativity available to people and also there's no creative jobs out there right you know what I mean like mm-hmm. that's that's been stomped um so you know they end up they end up making booze yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know it says more to you about well about the craft beer industry than anything else uh- <laughs> brilliant right yeah we're just sort of similar vein to, to listener questions etc uh, but if you mm-hmm. could have brewed any beer uh, in the world, what would it be and why? Ooh. If I could have brewed any beer in the world, what would it be and why? So maybe a beer you haven't even drunk before, but you've kind of legend would mean that you might want to go, oh, I really wish I tried that, like Pliny the Elder or something like that. Or it may be one that actually yeah. you haven't had for a number of years. Gosh, I don't know. Um... Oh, peculiar. <laughs> I just brewed John Smith's Magnet and I've kind of been obsessing about that for a good long while. Um, I, I'd always sort of say like there's there's a number of sort of top three pints, top three beers in general, but also like top three cask pints or top three, yeah. you know, like you yeah. can extend yeah. it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a constant conversation in the past, not so much these days, but, you know, you've always got this jockeying top three things. And one of them was um, Pints of Cask, John Smith's Magnet, which wasn't a, wasn't a greatly, I, I don't know. I'm a southerner. It and massive you're, you're, you're telling me something I I've never even heard of that. I don't know what John Smith's Magnet it's is. Magnet. Yeah, it only went to certain accounts, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it was it was kind of, I think it was a beer that was mostly available during a time when cask beer was getting beaten up on a regular basis, you know what I mean? So it, it sort of, I think it, it kind of gained steam in a lot of, it's, it was like a special version of John Smith's, right? A special bitter. Yeah, it was that special, yeah. And I just remember drinking a few pints of it with my dad in uh, the trade station pub in the Thalaton. Um, and it was just great. You know what I mean? It was just, and it was like, all right, juicy jelly tots is like something mm. that I kind of always look for in a good cask bitter. You know mm. what I mean? Um, and it had a great long finish and was just like, had that licorice kind of, yeah. um, like sweet licorice flavour that you get with, you know, there's the thing with John Smith's and Tetley's as well, have a similar sort of thing as well. So, Anyway, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. So I brewed that beer. Okay. <laughs> and it's in 
the moment, okay, um, available across the UK. Um, and so that that's one of them, you know what I mean? I'd like to brew, you know, you kind of maybe do go for sort of Pliny area kind of level of IPA, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That sort of thing I would love to brew and, and, you know, is part of the aim of sort of what we're doing. But it's kind of weird that the beers that have kind of stuck is like a Belgian IPA. Um, and we, we're sort of doing pretty well with cold IPAs at the moment as well, which I think I kind of feel are a bit mm. on, on that line of that kind of lean, crisp, yellow yeah. IPA that sort of Pliny is, right? Um, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, what beer do I wish I'd ever brewed? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you've given a good answer there. You've referenced John Smith and you also referenced Tetley in the same sentence. So, <laughs> can, and, and you've got two bitters on, so we can see how this is going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so um, it's it's almost a week later, slightly de- delayed roundup, but we've been to Margate. So we also went to Broadstairs, but we also went to Margate on the Saturday. We did, yes. So we popped around in the morning, didn't we? And we found an amazing museum, almost by chance. I mean, the story, I mean, James, someone, <laughs> someone came up to you and said, you've got to go in here, didn't they? Well, I, I saw it and went, hey, there's a crab museum. And if you remember, a small child ran past the shop and heard me and said, go in, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, is it? And he's like, yeah, it's fantastic. And then and then we went in, and it was. And it was, yeah. Awesome. One yeah. of the funniest museums I think I've ever been to. Yeah. Educational, amusing, entertaining. Yeah. Um, and it was free. And it was free, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's very good. And then we then um, did a bit of shopping, and then we kind of went to the first uh, micro pub. So the one that I took you to first was... Uh, the Fez. Well, actually, me and Paul went to a pub beforehand, okay. but then uh, we did. Then Patrick Bamford missed a penalty, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I don't uh, want to talk about that. And Newcastle scored a penalty, so and we me, quickly left. Me and Sean went off and found a, a record shop. Yeah, we records. Did. Yeah, I got a new Soul Wax, well, an old Soul Wax album. Mm. But the Fez was 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 great. Yeah. yeah. As far as interiors go, I mean, there's lots of pubs, pubs that have got junk on in their interiors, but this was kind of art, very artfully done, kind of mixture of sort of collectible items and pieces of junk that were repurposed. Mm. Um, I mean, someone spent a lot of effort on doing that interior. I yeah, mean, some of the chairs, there's a, a... Dentist chair. Dentist chair, there's a hairdresser's chair. Which I tried out. Which had one of those, I don't, I don't know <laughs> the what they're for. Air blowers, on air, yeah, air blowers, yeah. yeah. For when you have a perm, when you're in your rollers, yeah. just kind of, oh, I don't know. You sound like you sound like you remember from the seventies. Well, and when we were sitting at the table, it was actually uh, re, like a repurposed kind of stove of sorts, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you say artful, but artful and bonkers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, and also had like a display of tonics, tea cakes, and and so on, which which had me sold. There's yeah, a so. dodgem car, or those, uh, mm. not dodgem car. One of those things you know, spin round. You know, those fairground yeah, fairground rides. Yeah. Mm. Uh, not a it's a Walter. Walter. That's it. Close. Those as a seat yeah. as well. But, I mean, this is a beer trip, so what was the beer like? In there? Tombridge. So we had a mm. beer by brew called Tombridge, I recall. Mm. And it really was... East River or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it really it, was quite good. It was delicious. Came mm. with a kind of nice rounded head on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making a gesture, which you won't be able to see on the podcast, but, yeah. We only had about three beers to choose from. It wasn't yeah. like an extensive list, was it? But, right. um, 
certainly, you know, the beers that they, well, that we tried was, was tasting pretty good. Really fresh, really nice. That's and, right. And then we walked down the road to the Little Swift. Mm. So Little Swift is a craft beer and a kind of wine bar. So, you know, it's it's kind of the upper end of what you'd get in Margate. Mm -hmm. uh, we went down and sat down and um, we ordered some nice craft beer beauties. I'm trying to recall what I had. I think I had a pressure drop beer. Yeah. King yeah, of I Knaves or something, King of Knaves or Queen of Knaves. I had a utopian British lager. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like a lot more of the sort of keg-oriented stuff there. Um, um, and we had some food as well. There's some platters, definitely like lots of kind of interest, nice food on a some good, of them. Good range of cans and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. But um, the, the highlight for you was that record player on the wall, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, slight, simultaneously slightly disturbing, but mm. given that my, my love of like good record players and stuff, it was almost vertical, which mm -hmm. like freaked me out. But also an incredible range of records. And basically you choose a record and you ask someone and they'll put it on for you. Yeah. So we had a bit of talking heads in the background for a while um, yeah. while we were drinking. Yeah, so very nice. And then we walked around the corner to um, Margate's only Mar Margaret's only brewery. And it's a great location right on the seafront mm. there. And it's, uh, yeah, Zylo, as you said. Kind of nice big open space. Variety, you can actually see the kind of brew kit, the hot side in there. They ferment underground, well, they ferment under uh, underneath. And um, great range of beers, what was it, mm. 12 or 12 or 14 tap lines, most of them their own. They yep. had a few guests, didn't they? Cider and um, a few lagers that maybe weren't their I own. I had a Yonder um, Sour, which was really good. Mm. Um, really nice atmosphere as well. Yeah. Um, kids and people bringing their dogs in. Um, sounds like absolute mayhem, but it was really chilled. Yep. And they were gearing up for a, a massive Eurovision party in the evening. Which... That's right. We, unfortunately, we missed that. No. It's the only place we've actually had two beers in. In, yeah, in, in yeah, one indeed, go, wasn't it? Yeah, we yeah. actually we actually stayed for a second because it, mm. it really was nice. Yeah, and yeah. a Sabro beer that that was that was. Oh uh, yes, did you try that? Did anyone try that? John, I did. John, yeah, yeah, the Sabro beer was great. Yeah, well, uh, I'll leave you guys to that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, like really highlighted the hop, like loads of coconut, but really easy drinking. I know, I know, you're not a fan, Sean. No, but, you no. know. And then is that where we broke and had something to eat, or did we go? We went up to the to go to the Harbour Arms next, and we went on. No, the, I think we had we had pizza first, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah, so we went to what Palm Farms, Palm House Pizza. That's right. Yeah, and um, great twenty-two inch pizzas. We we shared we shared one. And, mm -hmm. um, they had craft beer on there, but didn't have too yeah. big a range when we were there. We had their house yeah. lager. They had their own lager, which was quite cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I highly yeah. recommend it if I was going to go Margate again. Mm. I definitely go to that place because it was. It was it was quick. It was convenient. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Although it was actually only twenty inch. I mean, I have oh. had a twenty two <laughs> inch. Sorry, recently, <laughs> I'm glad you picked me up on that because yeah. yeah. it's still more than enough and very tasty. Yep. So John is our expert on large pizzas. Yep. Indeed. And then yeah, then then we went and um, went onto the actual harbour. So there's actually a micro pub on Margate Harbour called the Harbour Arms. Good and we, we sat outside, didn't we? Uh, the mm. views of back onto Margate, back onto Dreamland, back onto Margate Sands and all the activity that was going on. I think there was some sort of bike event going on yeah, on yeah. the beach, wasn't there? Yeah. For me, that was, I think that was the highlight mm. for me. I thought it was, uh, it, the interior was nice, but but the um, the only option was to sit outside really because it was, it was, that was a period when the, the, the sun was shining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the beer, which was Shivering Sands? Shivering Sands, yeah. yeah. Uh, Monsal Bitter. 
And mm. it, uh, for me, that was actually probably the the beer of the of the, the weekends. Top notch. Um, you know, you know, it's a, I, I'd, I'd love. It remind me a bit of the ampersand, mm. um, the cap. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a, you get a, a best bitter, and you think, yeah, I'm I'm happy with best bitter. It'll be it'll be it'll be good. And then you try it. You think, actually, no, that's that is a really 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 good example of mm. of type. Yeah. So I think that was the best. Maybe not the best beer. Um, obviously, had a few verdants later on, but but the the best example. Surprising. Of type. I think the most surprising beer. It's certainly the combination. That, I mean, there was also a guy because it was their tenth anniversary. And there was a guy set up with a sound system, playing some like um, funk and soul, which went down really well. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite tunes came on, so I was I was in a good mood, enjoying the beer. And it was sunny, etc., etc. Yeah, it's really good vibes. Yeah. You you once took t- t- by the beer. Well, you, you think uh, your client was it was too malty. Yeah, I mean, I've I wouldn't say I'm an expert on bitter. I take on board what Jamie just said about you know, new new versions of bitter. But yeah, my gold my gold standard would always be Tetler's bitter, and uh, it didn't taste anything like that at all. But it was it was definitely <laughs> it was definitely a good beer, good location, yeah. nice bit of music, and you know. You know, the plays kept delivering in terms of turning up new places, you know, mm, that we'd not mm. been to. So, I mean, and and it was, again, like all of the bars we went to, the interior and the sort of vibe was definitely mm. right up there. Yeah. My whole sort of summary of the trip was the beer was okay, you know, it was okay to good, but the actual bars themselves were really good. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Shearing Sands are a brand new brewery. Um, in, uh, they kind of brew out of Manston, and I think they're just opening up their tap house, uh, their own tap room, actually, at Manston Airport. So, yeah, it's great. It's the first time I've ever tried any of their beers, so mm. really good. And then I think we finished off Margate by popping into the lifeboat. Mm-hmm. So the lifeboat, we obviously, yes, last night we were in, in the chapel, which which in Broadstairs is, is owned by the same people that own the lifeboat. And for me, it was a, it's a place that kind of holds something in my heart in terms of, I remember when I was in there once, this guy behind the bar said, ah, oh, I thought, um, wherever you get a stout, get a hot poker, put it in the fire, Get it really roaring red hot and put the poker in the, in the stout and it caramelised all the sugars and kind of adds an element to that. I remember we tried that. Me and my father and I went home that night and tried it and um, all we got was ash all over our beer. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as clean as what he had done. But, um, I, it, I mean, it's not the place it was back then. I don't know what you guys thought of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and again, sort of not wanting to be sort of negative because it it was still very enjoyable but in comparison to the other places the the atmosphere is a little bit kind of to be fair it was a quiet time of the day mm. um so it wasn't necessarily representative beer was fine nothing knockout but yeah compared to the fairs and the xylo and little swift and the harbour harbour arms it was it was yeah not not quite as amazing i would say and maybe just one thing of note, I think, because we kind of done Margate at that particular point. We hopped on the on the bus, got mm-hmm. the bus back to Broadstairs, and one place that I want to take you into that we didn't oh, yes. manage to do on the on the previous mm-hmm. evening that was taking to the Royston um, pub. Recent um, camera pub of the year for Thanet, um, and uh, yeah, um, they kind of not traditionally kind of have it's all it's all cast lead. They don't have any keg lines, and it's all you can see. You can see all the cast behind in a, in a refrigerated kind of perspex glassed kind of box. They're kind mm. of in, aren't they? And you kind of see them going, pouring the beers into into the glass and serving you at the table. What do you guys think of that place? The service was great. Mm. Very friendly. Yep. 
and the beer range was national. Mm. I mean, one of the things that we noticed a few of the bars, it was all local, but this was not. This wasn't like that. It was like a national range of beer. Mm. Mm. Um, yes, maybe a bit limited, but I think it was good. Yeah, say service was good. The vibe was good, um, and yeah, I think it's, it ticks a few boxes for me. That's good. Mm. Yeah. So all in all, um, well, um, just say a big thank you to Sean if for for sharing Thanet with us and uh, giving us a really good tour. I mean, certainly, <laughs> like. I, I loved it so much. I mean, I've got family connections. My wife's family come from Ramsgate, so we've already planned another trip down there in October. Oh, yeah. um, so looking forward to that and definitely be taking them to the Crab Museum if it's open. Yeah, I mean, you made a great point. You feel like <laughs> it's... You feel so sad for your kids that they haven't yet to experience it and you yeah. have yeah. <laughs> honestly if they could get a keg line in there that'd yeah. be possibly yeah. the greatest place in the uh, in the world yeah. now it's time for the last part of our interview with Matt from Zapato where we give him the quick fire questions yeah so uh finally on to the quick fire round um so okay. as the name suggests we're gonna fire some we ask these five questions. questions for you ask five questions does anything that you think i might struggle with quick fire uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll see, <laughs> Let's see. okay um okay. Uh, any silences i can edit them out don't worry okay okay <laughs> okay so first question What's the biggest influence on your brewery? That's a great one. <laughs> Maybe we should have said these in advance. Yeah, yeah it's tapped out. Note for future: we send these questions in advance so they yeah, can be quick yeah. fire. <laughs> the biggest influence? Oh my gosh! Probably the Colonel. Um, I don't try and do definitely never going to try and do what Colonel do and never you know Mm. the the way that he does his beers in terms of indexing and stuff like that but just that kind of reverence for the beer in general and kind of confidence to kind of make your style of beer and you know do it right yeah kind of deliver and do it your Um, own way as well Um, yeah yeah very much so yeah very much so actually um yeah, I'd say I'd say so. Yeah, that was really kind of the first brewery to kind of deliver um, that kind of that this kind of beer, which you would call craft beer, which is a term I just fucking hate. Um, but but to deliver that kind of like you know taking British traditions, adding American traditions. Like turning back to British traditions, then going like a German traditions and yeah. stuff like that, then looking at Belgium and sort of taking the whole kind of Michael Jackson encyclopedia of beer in and kind of delivering it with like little fuss, but just brilliantly, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it's just yeah. no well one can argue, yeah. Yeah, no one can argue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I love so this is the first time I ever anyone's ever referenced Michael Jackson. I'm very happy. Right, okay. He, he's all the one that turned me on to great beer all those years right. ago. All our staff get a Michael Jackson beer book. Um, the, the the one, the famous one. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because I, I don't I, I just drank 
my way through that and it was really fun. Yeah, so I yeah. thought, now I should try and do it. And not yeah. everyone does it. You know I mean? yeah. um, but, I, I, you know, the, the grounding in style and like the global culture of beer and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got to be what it's all about. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, so next question. Um, what's the best beer, in your opinion, by your own brewery? Uh, um, best beer in each category. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the one you're most proud of. If not, it, 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 it changes on a regular basis. You know, I love favorite. all. Of, I, I love all of my children equally. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's not going to. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be drawn on that. Commit. Okay. Um, uh, so next one, you may, you may have answered this already, but I'll give you a second chance. What's your favourite brewery? My favourite brewery? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like favourite brewery on each kind of, in each country, I suppose, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brasserie de la Seine um, in Belgium. Interesting. Um, yeah. in the UK, plus, you know, 50 others. You know, yeah. I, I, I curate indie man beer con right so like i again you know mm. <laughs> i love all the breweries yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah of course um, in the uk you know uh in the us again there's there's so many you know what i mean there's so many but um no i can't pick one sorry i think, I, I think um, that's a perfectly adequate answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> next next question um Thirds, halves, two thirds, or pints? Pints. Yeah. Yeah. Easy one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess you, a pint of an imperial. Would you? Would you still? Would you still go there? I guess you kind of would have it. I'd oh, sell beer for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Uh, no, two pints. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I follow local uh, non-league football. I, I'm a season ticket with a local team, Belper Town, and you can get two pint glasses to go and sit out on the terraces and watch them. Um, it's not <laughs> great, but it's, it's all right. We we did them in, um, started doing them in North Bar for like Oktoberfest. Um, yeah. They call it a mass, right? A two pint jug. And then you've got the bigger one as well. Yeah. Uh, and guys used to come in and go, oh, wait a minute, what's your biggest pint? Have you got that, that, that right big pint? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I do have a bonus quick fire question, but um, yeah. this is the last proper one. Um, yeah. What is your favourite style of beer? Currently pale ale. Okay. okay. In- English or American or somewhere in between. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a I mean, pale ale covers every beer that's pale, right? Okay. That's, that's one of the things about it to a certain fair enough, extent. Fair but, enough. You know, yeah. I think, you know, around around four and a half to five and a half percent, you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's what I'm drinking most of at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on any specific day, it could be Orval as a as a style because it's the most versatile and kind of always delivers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, mm. but but generally, you know, from bitter to American pale ale, you know, I'm 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 in for it at the moment. Okay. Excellent. And I've got I've got I'm gonna throw in a, a bonus one. And because you mentioned it earlier on, I'm I'm intrigued on your take on it. We've had this debate. 
is a cold IPA really just an Indian pale lager? No, not at all. It's completely different. Uh, <laughs> okay, right. This is interesting. Um, I would be interested yeah. in finding out what, what a cold IPA is because we were scratching. Okay, it. so, well, first of all, Indian pale lager is essentially a dry hot lager, right? Um, and can be a little bit stronger. Um, a cold IPA is an ale in construction, but it's fermented at warm temperatures with lager yeast. So it's quite, you know, when I when I told Pete um, Berger, who brews our beer, like what we wanted to do, he was a little bit like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> he's more traditional. Uh, <laughs> but essentially it's a diff- it's a different pro- it's a different process and it's quite distinct in the fact that it's lager yeast you know it, it's like yeah lager yeast sorry fermented at a warm temperature um mm. there are a number of other things you you dry hop during spunding um yeah. so are you familiar with spunding yeah you know what yeah. I mean? under pressure yeah. yeah 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 um um so you you, you do that as well um and you've got i mean essentially again like like i was saying earlier that you know with the pliny and stuff like that that kind of like really bright kind of us sort of old school um popping levels um the other thing also is that you add an adjunct um so or whatever else so you, again you're making what you might term a Mexican lager or an adjunct lager or a Euro, you know, global lager in that they, you're taking some of that, um, some of that malware and replacing it with something cheaper, essentially. Um, so the last one was not nothing. There's another one coming out next week, which is called some something. Um, oh, so right. you can okay. see how I worked on that second name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only change is, a slight change in hopping but the only change of that is we're using rice instead of corn for this one so right. it's going to be paler yeah. um, and it might feel a thinner um and a bit crispier i don't know we'll see when it turns out you yeah. know what i mean yeah. that's, that's genuine we obviously got completely the wrong end of the stick about what it was so yeah yeah i mean I, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of hoppy pilsners um and have enjoyed many a hoppy pilsners michael i used to make some fantastic hoppy pilsners um and i always felt they were good but i i read a critique of them um and um incidentally written by the guy who invented cold ipa um yeah, yeah I, I can see the point you know what i mean and our pilsner is pretty damn hoppy anyway it's just hoppy yeah. with it traditional german vibe rather than a, um american ipa vibe you know what i mean but to all intents and purposes it's an american ipa you know what i mean it's a west coast ipa to me that's what it tastes like um yeah brilliant well we've come up uh, to the wrap up uh, question really now we just want to say thank you very much matt for your time tonight really insightful it's been a lot of fun we had a few laughs, which which we're not we're not used to doing on these kind of. We like to get into the geeky <laughs> element of, of kind of the brewing. So that no, was really good to kind of yeah, chew definitely. the fat with you. Uh, before uh, we wrap up, always, I, I can chew a lot of fat. <laughs> before we wrap up, is there anything further you'd like to mention that maybe we haven't covered? Just you know, anything that you feel you want to say about Sebastian. Um... No, not at all. Um, you know, other than other than just rolling rolling adverts to buy our beer, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, we're very proud of it. You know, we hope people enjoy it, and you know, it's it's available all sorts. You can get in touch with us. You know what I mean? Um, 
have you missed anything oh, i don't think so you know um i don't think <laughs> don't know if anyone listening will be any the wiser it's uh you know i certainly had a good run so thank you very much really enjoyed it Okay, so we're, we're actually in Jamie's garden because um, it's been a nice day and we're recording a little snippet for, well, for the podcast. And Jamie has brought Phantom Brewery from Reading along. So tell us about Phantom Brewery, Jamie, and why you chose them. Um, if, if I'm honest, uh, Phantom Brewery, uh, brewing company, is not, not one that I was was really aware of before I started searching out breweries that we had in the beer club. Um, so they're a brewery based um, in Reading. Um, I think they've been going for quite a long, quite a while in terms of craft beer, but I don't know exactly how long. Um, and the reason I picked them was I was looking for some interesting things in beer and they are brewing with um, a new secret magic ingredient called Phantasm. Um, oh, that sounds exciting! Yeah, sounds and a bit sinister. So, Phantasm, and I think it's quite good that app that 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 one of the first breweries to brew with it in the country is is Phantom. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a uh, a powder that is made from um, the skins of or dried skins of um, Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc grape skins from, from New, New Zealand. Zealand yeah. And so it seems to be at the moment, and I'm, I've got no idea why, but it seems to be that these are the only skins that work. It's not any old grapes, but um, there's something in there, obviously some compound, that when you brew with it, and if you brew with a um, fire-releasing yeast, so if you brew it with a certain, there's about a, a few different yeasts you can brew it with, then it brings something out of the the beers and, and, and turns into a bit of a, a, a juice bomb. Um, mm. And uh, I'd never seen. I'd I'd heard about it briefly. And if you well, remember, Theo, Theo from Other World on our podcast, didn't he? He yeah. was saying that was one of the ingredients that he really wanted the, the opportunity to brew with. So um, it's so, great that you've been able to kind of source that. Did the idea for you getting these beers was it sown from that conversation, or did you already kind of? No, so I already them? had them. My question to Theo was was uh, was ah. prompted up with to try and tease out the fact that this could be the next big thing. Yeah. So it, it's been big. My understanding, I, I I don't know a lot about it, uh, but my understanding is that it's been pretty big in America for mm. for about a year, um, and they've been experimenting a lot in there in the really hop forward beers in America, um, and there's a very small number of beers in the UK. I think we said there was one from Mondo, wasn't Mondo there? Mondo did a, a collaboration with Saltaire that I kind of uh, observed, and it was very much. It was about the word "phantasm" was certainly in the kind of in the title of the beer. When on my, on my research, I, I haven't tasted that, done all that's like, but um, that's quite a traditional brewery and a kind of modern craft brewery doing a collaboration mm. there. So yeah, really interesting to see what that kind of. So yes, we so we got we got three of their pails, and I I think and, and someone mentioned it earlier on today that, that I've got a feeling that that phantom are a bit like the. The, the Pentridge of Derbyshire. Um, I'd they're, say, They're yeah. very famous. Or, or Pentridge famous of Berkshire, or, I would have thought. Fun? The Phantom of the, the Pentridge of Berkshire. Oh, I'm confused now. So, yeah, we, we made a bit of a link between Pentridge and Phantom in that the Phantom... Pale Ales, they brew pale, pale Ales. Pale Ales, that's their thing. Pentridge yeah. do knockout pale Ales. 
these guys do knockout pale ales, similar kind of scale, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and and so we, we got, uh, yeah, I, I'm just cruising through searching and, and it jumped out. Um, I think I looked at, I was looking at ingredients and I'd never seen this phantasm thing before. And so we got one of their, their pale packs. We've got three beers tonight. We've had the um, uh, Departure Lounge. Yes. Um, the 5. Shark Infested. Yeah, so that's a 5.3% pale. Yeah. Then we've had the Shark Infested Daydreams, uh, which is a 6.8% IPA um, and a 5.6% IPA, um, very important person. Um, and it was the, the, the first and third beers that had the, the Phantasm in. Mm. Ironically, I think we all agreed that probably the second beer was our favourite. I mean, it was stronger. It had a little bit more body to it. It certainly was kind of playing to the kind of strengths that I kind of look for in a beer in terms of it had a lot of that savoury character. Where, but you're absolutely right in terms of different qualities. I'm, mm. I'm trying to pick out... And you made a good point. It says you love to see a brewery that does a, a beer that has... With and without. With and without. Yeah, so you yeah, can kind of really yeah. taste the kind of contrast that this is kind of bringing. Because this brings something slightly different to it. It so is. And I think for me, the big thing is that, that um, you, the way craft beer happens now is you, you look at a 5% pale ale and your heart doesn't always flush for beat anymore, does it? When you, when you see a 5% pale ale. Um, it, it's not... Not overly, no. Uh, and, and, and I think that actually um, the, the, the flavours and the... And the, and the, the flavour differential that's come out of these beers has been really interesting. They're not like pale mm. ales that I've drunk a lot in the past. See, interestingly, I'm, I'm really getting into this one now, which is the VIP person. And I am a bit of a fan of Idaho 7, which is one of its main hops. But it's got... It, it's There's definitely a, a nice kind of fresher kind of flavour profile coming out to me on this one. And, you know, which I'm quite enjoying now. And um, but I, I have to agree, like the the shark infested mind, which I believe is the shark infested daydream. That's it. Not <laughs> <laughs> so, so, shark infested. Um, I mean, I originally said yeah. when I taste this beer that it kind of tasted woody and smoky, which doesn't mm. seem that right for a pearl. But actually, it it actually kind of dawned on me while we whilst we've been talking, mm. it's grape musk. It's it's, mm. it's it, that, that's yeah. exactly what I'm getting. I'm not a massive wine drinker. But when I do drink a wine, there's that kind of finish that you kind of get when you're drinking a, a glass of wine that's very prevalent in in this particular beer. And that's the bit that's that kind of bit of contrast that you're not normally but seeing in a beer. What I like is I think it, it it's... Um, the flavour profile seems to change a lot from that first sip. Mm. I think that's what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's almost like, like a different beer to when yeah, you first yeah. started. So, so what we're talking about here is basically a kind of a natural magic flavour enhancer essentially mm. yeah, it's you like know. MSG for beer MS. yeah <laughs> like it but, but yeah. Um, yeah I quite liked it just with my sort of two pound on this one I, I like the, I like the wine and beer combo I'm, I'm a fan, big fan of Brute uh, IPAs which uh, I know mm. are, remember Brute IPAs I know are out of fashion yeah. but I really like that style That's so 2000 and which had a little bit of a grapey element to it and also I've got a bit of a background in uh, grape skins so <laughs> uh, anything with anything that involves that, I, I'm up for as well for for a different reason. So, tell us uh, about the grape skin innovation the, when it comes to oil wells. Grape skin, yeah. My background in grape skin is that as a comp the company that I work for, uh, we buy you know hundreds and thousands of tons of grape skins uh, for plugging oil wells. 
uh, in Texas. So, yeah, I could bore you to death. I won't, but it works well in the beer. Yeah. Interesting. But, and these beers that we've had had Nelson in terms of um, I think this last one does. Hop. Yeah. Because you think... I can't read it now because it's got two it is, dogs, it is but... pretty. It's pretty... <laughs> Yeah, I think this one's... And that, this, for me, is the one that's yeah. most pronounced and, and most whiny yeah. well, maybe out, that's of, it. out of the three beers. And I think yeah. that's what I'm kind of getting that I haven't until now been able to put my mm. finger on. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what that is now. So, um, yeah, I mean, in conclusion, we've we've enjoyed all of them. All of them have been very enjoyable. Probably the shark-infested... Daydream. Daydream is <laughs> the one which we'd come out as favourite. But I, I'm... I have to say personally I'm really enjoying this one and now you're talking about winey flavours and stuff I can see where you're going with that one mm. I think the, yeah. the wine is big on the aftertaste mm. isn't it yeah yeah I mean we've had red wine sort of infused beers before mm. but not so much on the white and this uh, it's a bit more subtle I guess yeah no it works yeah I'll definitely seek some more pails out from, from these folks again in the future yeah excellent stuff there you have it that's the end of our epic episode 9 this time round, we had a full-length interview with Matt from Zapato. We also had a roundup of our trips around the micropubs of Thanet and a review of Phantom Brewery from Reading. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. Check out our Twitter feed and Instagram feed at Belper Beer Club or our new website, belperbeer.club. See you next time. <laughs>